Hello, this is episode 270 and in it, I'm going to be sharing five key points to know about your roof design. If you're getting ready for your renovation or new build, or you're currently working on your floor plan design with an architect, a building designer, a draftsperson, directly with a builder, or you're even designing your own home, then I know this episode is going to be super helpful for you. Remember that whilst your home is lines on a page, it's actually not too late to make changes that are going to fix it, improve it, and ensure that it's a great quality home that improves your lifestyle and makes the aspirations, effort, time and money that you're investing in it all worthwhile. So in this episode, I'm going to take you through five key points to consider when it comes to your roof design and construction, and also to be discussing with your team. And the earlier that you can discuss these, the better, because as you'll hear, your roof design is best considered early in your design process in order to get it right. Now, remember, if you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode, plus information on the resources that I discuss, you can do that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 270. That's the numbers 270. Now let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in Northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect, and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building, and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands, and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about leveling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website, and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take, and the best way to create a home that works, feels great, and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. One of the challenges that I regularly see homeowners encounter is how their roof is designed for their home. Now, if you're designing a new home, then it can feel quite straightforward to put a roof on it. For many, their designer or builder doesn't even discuss it for some time. And then as the floor plan is being firmed up and you're signing off that you're happy with the room sizes and the arrangement in the floor plan, you can then start being shown elevations and three-dimensional views of the home's exterior and lo and behold, the roof. And that's when you might find out that the roof doesn't look exactly how you want it to at all. 
Now, if you're working on a renovation, then the roof design can also be left quite late in the process, which can mean that as a renovation works and extension design are being firmed up and committed to, then you have to figure out how a roof is actually going to go on the new part of the home. And often this is where decisions are made that can cost a lot of your renovation budget as the existing roof of the house will have sections removed and added to it and new guttering arrangements created in order to accommodate the roof to the new part of your home. Your roof design has such a big impact on the appearance of your home, the performance of your home and the comfort and durability of your home as well. And in large single storey homes, the roof it'll almost be like an elevation of its own, especially if you're doing a hip and gable design where the roof can actually be a similar height. The roof itself can be a similar height to the walls of the home. The roof design has the capacity to completely change the look of your home and it also needs to be detailed and constructed so it sheds water appropriately, it makes maintenance more straightforward for you and it doesn't cause issues with condensation within the roof structure, keeping roof framing and insulation damp and riddled with mould. Now, many homeowners don't really think about their ideal roof design, I find, and they also don't necessarily know how to describe it, the shape of it, or the specifications for it. At best, they've thought about their desired ceiling design, which in many cases will be shaped by the roof construction itself, and so that's how the roof design often gets driven. But in that process, many don't understand what they're actually setting themselves up for in the roof design and the cost of it when they're asking for a particular ceiling design outcomes. This is something that I'm offering answering questions about in Home Method as there can be more economical ways of achieving, say, cathedral ceilings and the like. But if you don't know this early, uh, then you can have a design and a build team just delivering what you've asked for and not advising on how to achieve it more smartly or economically. Now, in this whole process, a lot can be left to chance with a lot of assumptions that a builder is going to appropriately detail and construct your roof. And yet so many parts of the industry just don't appropriately detail and construct the roof, which can create long-term headaches, home degradation and financial issues for homeowners. So I want to take you through five key points to consider with your roof design and construction. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but it is going to get you started on discussion points and things to be reviewing as you get ready for your design process and you move through it as well. So let's jump right in into point number one. And as a starter, I want to discuss with you the different types of roof designs or forms. So for the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to be talking mainly about three types of roof designs. The first type that I'm going to talk about is hip and gable. So the hip and gable is the more traditional style of roof design. And the roof in this instance will be often pitched 15 degrees or more. It'll have valleys and ridges. So the roof is a combination of triangular prism-like objects sitting on top of the house. The hip itself is the flat section of the roof or the flat face that falls to the gutter line. And then the gable is where it will be open-ended instead. So you'll actually see the wall come up in a triangular fashion to the underside of the roof. And you can also have Dutch gables, which are those little fake gables on the top of roof forms. You know, if you can't picture what I'm saying or not not sure of what I'm saying, this is the challenge with podcasting is that I really encourage you to Google what I mean. You'll understand then what uh, Dutch gables are because you'll have seen them on homes and you'll understand what hip and gable is generally. So, and Dutch gables will often be added to roofscapes uh, to provide some interest or feature. They don't really perform a functional value at all. Now, you can also have dormers in hip and gable roofs as well. So dormer windows, they'll be small protrusions that happen in the face of a hip. And you'll have a window which might be providing light and ventilation into a loft area within the roof zone 
or it could actually be going down to the lower floor and providing light and ventilation into a larger space in the home. Now, a hip and gable roof with a flat ceiling internally is generally the least expensive type of roof because it can be created with trusses with a trust roof structure and where there aren't any gables, the top of the building walls will be the same height the whole way around the building. And then with its trust construction itself, it can be very fast to put up as well. However, if you start increasing the pitch of the hip and gable too steeply so that additional scaffolding, for example, is required during construction or you want to have raked ceilings inside instead of flat ceilings um, or a rather other range of factors, this can all impact the the roof design and then, uh, of course, the cost of a hip and gable roof as well. So don't always assume that a hip and gable roof is going to be the least expensive. Discuss this with your team based on your location and on your design and on your budget. They can, although, be the most economic form of roof. And this is why you'll see them be used so regularly in volume building, for example. So And it ends up being a bit of a self-perpetuating machine because whilst something is preferred by the volume builder industry, you know, as as a roof form, then that's generally going to be the more economical of the options just purely from a case of supply and demand. You know, as a side note, many industry suppliers, they do make themselves beholden to the volume builder industry and what it wants from them. And the crazy thing is that you'll find that many suppliers actually pay for the discounts that they give volume builders with bigger margins that they add on for smaller operators and for custom builders. And I feel it's frustrating because if everyone just got the same price for the same products, then it would be a much more level playing field. But unfortunately, that's not the case you know, at least with the larger suppliers in the industry, we know that they will give volume builders larger discounts um, because of the volume that they purchase from them, and they'll use the smaller pro the smaller builders to pay for those um, for the discounts that they're paying. So, and I really wish that the volume builder industry could, on mass, just actually care about sustainability and proper thermal performance and using the right building wraps instead of foil sarking and making orientation recommendations when people choose their floor plans. You know. All of these kinds of things would totally transform the quality and construction of homes in Australia and the energy efficiency of them as well. I am getting off track about roof design, but uh, in Australia, I do find that the industry does frustratingly walk to the beat of the drum of volume builders. And for the most part, I know I'm speaking generally here, but for the most part, it is a really low standard. It, you know, built to code in most cases is not built to last. So just be aware of that if you are working with a volume builder and you're doing a hip and gable roof, you know, listen to this episode and the other things that you want to be discussing with them to be able to have better informed conversations for your specifications and your construction detailing so you can ensure a great outcome. Now, the next kind of roof that I want to talk about is a skillion roof. So this is a roof that has a single pitch, so it just falls in one direction. The pitch can be steep or it can be shallow. This is going to be dependent on the overall design of the home and the general aesthetic that you're seeking. And it can also be dependent on the type of roofing material that you want to use. Now, usually skillion roofs in Australia, they're done in colour bond metal, some kind of metal roofing. Uh, And if you're using a custom orb, which is the corrugated profile that colour bond do, it will have a minimum pitch requirement of five degrees. So that's going to set the minimum pitch of your skillion roof. Now, when it comes to skillion roofs, you can do a design that has one skillion roof over its entire floor plan and it'll step in and out as required or you can create a combination of skillion roofs that work together 
to roof the home and to create a particular design effect. Now, with Skillion roofs, the walls of the home on the high side of the roof and on the ends, of course, are going to have warm, they're going to be taller. They're going to have more walling material on them, more, more wall cladding, more, you know, and depending on the height, you could require some additional bracing and some structural design in order to accommodate that higher extent of wall. Skillion roofs, they can still be done as a truss with a flat ceiling. If you do want a raked ceiling though, you can explore using rafters for the roof structure. You can also look at alternative truss designs that might give you a different ceiling profile to a flat one. Look, that's a whole other topic of conversation to get into, so I won't go into detail here, but discuss that with your designer if that is something that you want to explore. Skillion roofs are also where you can start incorporating high level or clerestory glazing to bring light further into the home over the top of lower roofs. And they can be a great way to deal with challenging orientations and to manage the natural light on your site to the benefit of your home. Now, with any other roof design type, you'll generally use dormers or skylights to do this rather than that high-level glazing or clerestory windows. And, you know, you'll be figuring out how you'll change walls and windows to maximise natural light. So it can be worth considering doing a skillion roof if you've, you know, had specific ideas for your home's natural lighting or you've got challenges on your site regarding orientation and access to light because that can impact the kind of roof design that you can choose and a skillion roof can achieve a lot of things that a hip and gable roof might not be able to if you do need to light the home internally through some high level windows. Now the next main type of roof design that I'll talk about, so I've got hip and gable, a skillion roof and then uh, the third one that, I, that homeowners will often talk about is a flat roof. Now no roof is exactly flat because every roof needs to shed water. So even a flat concrete roof on a commercial building that has air conditioning sitting all over it and accessible deck spaces, it's still going to have some type of fall across it so that water can be directed away and not pond on the roof. Flat roofs in residential construction, they're usually just a low profile skillion roof uh, and they'll be done, you know, two degrees, three degrees with a different type of roofing material to a, uh, to a custom uh, orb corrugated profile so the flatter you go you can then start needing you can start needing to go into specific roof profiles so that's something to be aware of you know and I find that homeowners are specifically asking for flat roofs as a preference and that's what's sort of driving this low profile roof um, and so they'll be describing it to their designer as saying that they want a flat roof when they're building or renovating especially to to, to, to delineate it from a steeper pitched skillion roof. Now, in residential construction, flat roofs, they can be challenging to accommodate for various reasons. So firstly, you've got to choose the right material that can actually shed water well and not cause maintenance headaches. And then you want to make sure that you detail and construct it correctly. That all takes expertise and experience. So you want to know that the people that you're working with have actually done low profile roofs before and they have means and methods to ensure that they're going to perform for you. Secondly, flat roofs, they can often be very low profile or a lot thinner in construction than other roof types. So what I mean by this is that the dimension between the underside of the ceiling and then the outside face of the roof, that can obviously be smaller or thinner than other roof types. And this is sometimes why a flat roof is actually being used because there might be a height limit or some other constraint that means that the roof has to be thin as possible for its construction. Now, it can be really difficult to build a flat roof well that is super thin 
in and include all of the layers and the ventilation cavities that you need so that you don't get condensation problems within the roof itself. So if you are wanting to do a flat roof, ensure that your designer is thinking about the components and the dimensions of the roof structure and makeup even at design stage. So, because you want to make sure that they're accommodating the layers and the cavities that you need for your roof to perform long-term and that all of those dimensions are being taken into account with the design overall so you don't run into problems when you get to construction. Now, often flat roofs can be used in combination with parapets. So a parapet is where the building wall will extend up and, and actually conceal the roof edge that's behind it. And so this can be a more contemporary design approach, but there are specific things to be aware of when you don't let the roof project over the edge of the building wall as an eave. I'll talk more about that in point two. Of course, there can be other roof types, but I find that these three are the main ones that are discussed and that are used when it comes to residential construction. And they're usually built using timber or steel framing with either trusses or rafters. In Australia, roofing materials are predominantly metal roofs such as colour bond, or they can be tile. And there are other roofing materials used here and overseas, zinc, copper, slate, asphalt shingles, fiberglass, and a range of other choices. However, in most homes in Australia, it's usually metal or tile that most people are deciding between. Now, when I was a project architect at Mervac Design in Queensland, we were doing uh, a housing development in Balimba that I was project architect overseeing. We had over 100 building sites that had conventionally constructed residential homes on them that we were designing and building. And so they had, they were brick veneer in construction, lightweight with, you know, fibre cement sheet cladding, uh, colour bond roofs uh, and also face brick um, as well. And then as a part of the rest of the development, there was a three-storey plus semi-basement commercially constructed apartment building. And then we also had some commercially constructed riverfront homes in that development as well. And when I say commercially constructed, I mean they were concrete blockwork, concrete uh, slabs, concrete roofs, um, those types of things, whereas the residential homes were all sticks and bricks, metal roofs. Now, when it came to these conventionally constructed residential homes, we had a series of plan types that were used across the 100 plus sites. So, for example, where we had east-west facing blocks that were a specific width and length, they could use the same floor plan across neighbouring blocks. Um, but then we had designed different external forms for each of them. So, when they were built and finished in the street, then they looked like different homes from the outside. We didn't want that whole situation where people have to kind of, you know, paint their door a different colour in order to know which one is theirs. So these homes, even they had the same floor plan, they looked very different from the outside. And so this also included changing the roof form on them. Now, we might have had the same plan type, but we had one version that had a hip and gable roof. We had another version with a skillion roof, and then we had a third with a lower profile roof and parapets. And then those roof individual roof types would also be combined with material variations and landscaping variations. And so the homes would look entirely different, uh, you know, from even though they were that they were each the same plan type. Now, what we always found was that out of the three approaches, uh, and we did this a few times, obviously with a few different plan types, we would make sure that, you know, they looked different when they were sitting side by side. We would play the, with the roof forms, we would play with the materials. And out of the three approaches, the hip and gable roof was always the most economical one to build um, out of the three roof types. So, you know, the thing is that a hip and gable roof is not to everyone's liking and it doesn't always suit the aesthetic style that you might be seeking to achieve. So if your preference is for another kind of roof design, just be aware of this as you move through your project planning. 
As I said earlier, though, don't assume that your hip and gable roof is going to be the cheapest option um, or that it's going to save you boatloads of cash, all right? You do need to assess this as you're designing with your own team for your own site, your building methodologies and your overall design intentions. It's really important that you test your assumptions. Now, let me go on to point number two, and this is super important to remember. Point number two is that your roof design includes gutters, fascias and downpipes on the outside and it includes insulation and membranes or building wraps on the inside. Now many when they're thinking about their roof form they're simply thinking about the aesthetic design or the look of the home and then the colours and the materials that they might want to choose. However the roof performs a significant function in your home and that's to keep it dry and safe as well as physically and thermally protect it and you from the elements. So as you're thinking about your roof design and you're looking around for inspiration and ideas, I want you to also pay attention to the gutters, the fascias and the downpipes that you see on the homes that you're looking at. Gutters actually come in lots of different profiles and the kind of gutter that you choose that can also then determine the type of fascia that you need. So the fascia is that flat face that goes at the edge of the roof on both the high side and the low side around the perimeter. It conceals the structure within the roof itself. Now, some builders, they'll just do a metal fascia with a quad gutter and they'll do that as a standard. And that's because it's fast to construct. It can be done, you know, it can all be done by the roofing contractor. So it can all happen in one hit. Whereas, for example, the inclusion of a painted timber fascia uh, with then a different gutter fixed to it, that can involve different trades and slightly different sequencing. So each fascia type and each gutter design is going to create a different look for your home. So really pay attention to the details and discuss this with your team. And your gutters and your fascias they don't have to be the same colour as, as the roof itself. And in fact, it can actually be a really great way to, to add interest to your home. One of my Home Method members was sharing some 3D renders of their home design recently in the group. And they have two building forms that they're finishing in contrasting colours. And so we spoke about the fascia and the gutter colour and how they could actually be the way that you tie the building forms together holistically and create a great overall experience for the home. And so you generally want to have your gutter and your fascia the same colour as each other um, because it's easier to maintain long term and it works nicely as sort of a strip around your home at the bottom of your roof. Um, but they, your gutter and your fascia don't need to be the same colour as your roof. Now, it's generally my preference that you do choose a lighter coloured roof colour, even in colder climates. We are not getting any colder as a climate. And whilst your energy efficiency rating, you know, particularly if you're in, your, in the colder states of where you live, it might be telling you that you you know that a dark roof is going to be better. If you actually have a listen to my conversation with Sid Two, that's in episode two hundred and eight. It talks about dark roofs versus light roofs. It talks about the summertime penalty for having a dark roof in colder climates and how that usually outweighs the winter benefits that it does provide. And also, you know, the radiant heat that's been created in by these darker roofs, especially in more densely built areas, it's a massive problem. Uh, it's doing a lot to elevate the ambient temperature in specific areas. And, you know, that coupled with the removal of street trees and sites not being as heavily landscaped, you know, we have these heat sinks in suburban areas. It's more than 70% of roof sales in both metal and tile are generally dark colours such as monument and even black. Now, some councils I know are banning 
lightning darker roof colours. And I also know that there's some councils who prefer them because they're seen to blend in better. I've also seen homeowners complain of the glare from a neighbour that has a light coloured roof. However, in these situations, I do feel that if the roof is such an exposed presence of living in their home that they're suffering glare from it, then I wonder also if they'd complain about it being dark coloured and experiencing the radiant heat from it and the impact that that has on their home. Now, I generally prefer the colour bond colours of dune and shale. They're, they're generally my go-tos. You can also go to a mid-grey and not be completely um, dark in your roof colour for your energy efficiency rating. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to choose surf mist, which is their colour bonds white, in order to achieve a light coloured roof. And, you know, you, if you do shale or dune, and then you can team that up with darker faces and gutters to create that overall look that you're going for. Now, when it comes to downpipes, many builders will do PVC downpipes as a standard and then they'll just paint those those downpipes to match the wall that they're sitting on. I've generally preferred to do colour bond downpipes that actually match the gutter colour and then I express them in the building design. I generally tie all the rainwater goods together like that. Whatever your preference, I just want you to ensure that you think about this early. Ensure that downpipes are actually shown on your floor plans and your elevations as you're moving into construction so that you know that they've been thought about and designed in and ensure that the calculations have been done for your roof so that the gutters are appropriately sized and you have sufficient downpipes. You know, if you're collecting rainwater, this is going to become even more important to consider. Don't make the mistake of overlooking this and assuming that your builder has downpipes all thought about and sorted, as this is where you can end up with PVC downpipes doglegging all over the place to get to an outlet. I've seen some absolute shockers in my time. Now, Internally, okay, it's really important to be discussing how the roof's going to be constructed and how it's going to accommodate the inclusions that you need and that you want in order to create your targeted thermal performance in the best possible way. So what I mean by this is what membranes or building wraps do you need or want to include to manage vapour permeability or weatherproofing for your home, depending on what its requirements are? What insulation do you need or want to include to create the right thermal performance? Will the roof space itself be an insulated zone or will the insulation be down at the ceiling line? Does the roof space need to be ventilated or unventilated? You know, this can come down to the type of membrane or roof blanket that you're using as well because manufacturers do have specific requirements around this. Please know that whirlybirds, they're not an appropriate form of roof ventilation. Just make sure you get good advice on this. It's not unique to passive house design and construction to have properly performing and constructed roofs. This can be done in standard construction with the right specification, but you need to discuss this as it will be particular to your home design, to your building methodology and to the climate. And if you're paying for insulation, if you're actually paying for insulation, then you want to ensure that it's going to be installed to create the R value that you're targeting. Okay. Now, a note about um, box gutters. So these box gutters are those internal gutters that sit over the top of internal areas in your home. So they can occur where you have two roofs falling back to the middle of the floor plan area or where you might have a roof falling to where a parapet is also extending up and so there's a box gutter against the parapet. As a rule, I try to avoid box gutters in home design. If you're going to include them, then you need to ensure that they're going to be detailed and constructed appropriately. So this can mean oversizing them. It can mean making them out of a higher grade rust resistant material such as stainless steel. And it can also mean ensuring that they have good access to overflows because the problem with a box gutter is that if it fails, 
water will not flow to the outside of your home like it will with an eave gutter. It'll flow back into your roof space or through into the interior of your home. I find that many people don't maintain and clean their gutters on a regular basis. And I hear this from builders every time there's a big downpour because their previous clients are calling them because of leaking problems. Um, And the builder will go out and they'll find that these leaking problems have actually occurred because the owner hasn't cleaned out their gutters since the home was finished. So have a think about how you're going to maintain your roof and your home as you design it as well so that you can really take all of these things into account. Now, let's jump on to point number three. So point number three is that your roof design begins with your floor plan design. Now, if you've done my online course, Home Design Masterclass, you'll know that it's largely about how to design a great floor plan, whether you're building or renovating your home. So Home Design Masterclass is a self-study, self-paced, fully DIY online course that takes you through how I design a floor plan. But in the last module, I actually talk about roof design and some of the things to consider as you're designing the three dimensions of your home. Because this is the problem that I see time and time again. Many designers and homeowners overlook the fact that their home's roof design actually begins with the floor plan design itself. And unfortunately, what is happening instead is that many floor plans are getting designed in isolation of how the roof is going to sit on it. And then the roof is being whacked on as an afterthought or a last minute addition once the floor plan design has been locked in. So the sequence ends up being get the floor plan right, then add on the roof, then work out the elevations. And this is a really two-dimensional approach to something that's a three-dimensional building with rooms, spaces and volumes. And I find it rarely leads to a good outcome. I actually recall early in my career when I first started at a new practice, I watched someone add a hip and gable roof to a new home design. And interestingly, I had not learned how to do this, these types of roof types in my degree. Uh, And the offices that I'd worked in, they were only doing contemporary style homes with skillion roofs or very low profile roofs or commercially constructed homes. None of the clients that I'd worked with had ever asked for a hip and gable roof. And so the first time I watched someone design one, it really blew my mind. Because what I saw was this, you know, to design a hip and gable roof well, you need to understand geometry, you need to be making decisions about the geometry of the roof form as you're designing the floor plan. You need to think about ridge heights and how ridges are going to terminate, where valleys are going to occur. And you need to understand how the floor plan size and width and angles will actually drive a hip and gable design and what's taller than what and how it all sits. Now, the person who taught me all of this, he was a total master at it. You know, he was designing these beautiful homes that had such clean and uncluttered hip and gable roofs. So they looked really elegant and well resolved. And I remember I was in my 20s and I used to sit beside him at his drawing board and have him explain the geometry of it all to me. He was super patient with me and he did a lot to teach me about how to design these kinds of roofs well. So a big thank you to Ron Prisk. Now contrast that to the messy hip and gable roofs that we see around many subdivisions where they're just a mishmash of valleys and ridges and they're a screaming demonstration of when someone has not thought about the geometry of the roof design whilst designing the floor plan. And unfortunately, 3D CAD tools such as ArchiCAD and the like only make matters worse because they actually let you auto-generate a hip and gable roof design on a home really easily. You just need to trace the outline of the plan in the computer. You tell the software what thickness and roof pitch you want. And then I kid you not, you hit a button and presto, a hip and gable roof is dumped on the plan. 
And I mean dumped. You know, I look at a lot of finished homes and I think that a computer designed their roof and not a human who understands geometry and how to think about the roof design whilst designing the floor plan. Now, if you're renovating, all of this still applies. You definitely need to be thinking about the roof design of your extension or the new, new works to your home whilst you are designing the floor plan. And one of the things that I discuss inside Home Method is how many additional costs and unexpected challenges can come when you design an extension that relies on you pulling apart the existing roof to try and connect the new roof to it. And I've seen loads of designs where the extension roof is literally mashed into the existing roof design in a haphazard way because it's not been considered during the design process. So if you have a hip and gable roof on your existing home and you're wanting to extend in a direction that's not in alignment with the existing roof structure, then you might find you can be creating weird flashings and box gutters all over the place. Now, some builders and designers, they just make this happen, you know, as in they design something that resolves it construction wise, but it doesn't really consider the aesthetics, the simplification of structure or how to do it as economically as possible. So inside Home Method, I talk about my bolt-on strategy in detail for renovations and extensions, and I step members through it so that they can create this outcome on their own renovation and extension projects. I also share a home design review inside Home Method that illustrates this strategy to really help you see the ways that you can simplify these roofing connections. You can manage risks and costs overall, and you can streamline construction to save on cash and to avoid nasty surprises as well. So this bolt-on strategy is one that I've used on countless projects, including my own home renovations. So in your own project, I want you to discuss the roof design of your extension and how it's going to connect with your existing home as you are working on your floor plan design with your team, even before you start, okay? Don't leave it until you just start looking at the elevations. The roof design, it can actually be indicated in, you know, in your floor plan as, as a roof plan. So you can have it as a separate drawing or you can have it dashed over the top of your floor plan as you're working on your design. You know, my experience as an architect is that as I've designed any floor plan right from the start and especially for renovations and extensions, I was actually always designing the roof at the same time. Now, if the roof wasn't working in my head in three dimensions, as in I couldn't see it, I couldn't envisage how it was going to work, then I knew I didn't have the floor plan sorted sufficiently in order to show the client. I needed to be able to see it in 3D in my head uh, so that I could know it was resolved well enough to be able to actually explain it as an option to the client. Now, hopefully this is how your design team is working with you as well. I'd really encourage you to have these conversations with them about, you know, how to draw draw this out and how to have, you know, be able to know that it's being taken care of. You don't want to have them say to you, it's okay, we'll just figure it out later. So let's go on to point number four. And also remember, if you want a full transcript of this episode to download, uh, you can grab that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 270. That's the numbers 270. So let's look at Point number five, your roof design is a strong aesthetic driver in the look of your home. Now, I think this is an obvious point. You know, your home's roof design, it really will change the way that your home looks overall. And if you're chasing a particular aesthetic style, then the roof design is going to be a big part of creating the overall look and design of your home. So pay attention to the roof designs of homes that you like and that you don't like, you know, see what it tells you about your aesthetic preferences, about the roof materials, the pitch, the shape, the detailing and the colour. This is all really great intel for your design process and it's something that you can include in your design brief as well. As I said, with the example from the Mervac project that I mentioned, we could make exactly the same plan type look like entirely different homes 
through purely through how the roof was designed and sitting on it and then the use of some specific materials and landscaping. When I used to work with homeowners in their home designs, one-to-one as, as, you know, having them as clients, this was something that I did to illustrate the different ways that their home could look as well. If they were unsure about what particular aesthetic or style they were wanting to achieve, you know, we could, I could show them how with the same plan, we could manipulate things and get the home looking very different from the outside. So, and you may have seen a social post that I did a while back uh, on Undercover Architect Socials where the same home design, it had a very different looking street facade and entry facade due to some of the design decisions about the roof design and the use of parapets versus having the roof project with eaves. So I'll pop a link to that social um, post in the resources so you can check that out if you've missed it. Now, whilst you're getting started on your project and you're finding a designer, an architect or a builder to work with, what I find often happens is this, this is sort of the sequence of events. So you decide on a design style or the general look of home that you prefer and want. You then choose who you're going to work with and you're, you know, it might be because they actually do homes like that or you feel that they can meet your budget for the, for the, you know, the future home that you're imagining. You then dive into the rooms and the spaces that you want and you stay focused on the floor plan design and you work away on the floor plan resolving those spaces, you know, and rooms and making sure that they're appropriately sized and arranged. And then you start looking at the roof design, the elevations and the locations of the windows and doors. And at that point, the design style or the three-dimensional appearance of your home, that can end up being then, you know, to achieve it, it can end up being this exercise of pushing and shoving to get things to look the way that you want them to. And frankly, if the floor plan hasn't considered your overall aesthetic, your roof design and your overall building form, you know, as the floor plan has been created, then generally one of two things will happen. The first is that you can totally luck it. You know, you can, the outcome can be exactly how you want it to, to look Or on the other end of the scale, you can feel like you're just shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic because the floor floor plan that you've fallen in love with, it just doesn't seem to work as an overall home design aesthetically. And this is when I see people start to trick up their home. They'll start adding feature materials or specific window arrangements to try and add interests or those Dutch gables also get whacked on. It can become really piecemeal. So your home design, it is a three-dimensional building and you're going to live in three dimensions. You'll experience your home in three dimensions. So it's really important that it gets designed in three dimensions. And so this means designing from the outside in whilst you're designing from the inside out. So if you're challenged by this and you can't see things in three dimensions whilst you're looking at a two-dimensional plan, then make sure that you get help from your team and you get them to demonstrate this to you so that you can visualize it for yourself. If your team is challenged by this and, you know, they're just focusing on the floor plan and then they're, you know, adding windows and doors and a roof after the floor plan is all locked in, then I suspect that you have the wrong team on board. Okay. Now, I admit that when I worked with clients, I didn't necessarily show clients the three dimensions of their homes until, you know, we got the floor plan a little honed in because I find that if you can, if you show too much information all at once to a client, it can, it can overwhelm them and it can get them off track very early in the project journey. However, whilst I was showing them the floor plan ideas, I would still be discussing the roof design. I would be doing it from the outset based on what they'd shown me they were wanting to achieve or what I could see would work with their new home or their renovation project. And so whilst we were looking at the floor plan design, I'd be talking about the roof as well. And I'd be using either photographic images of other projects or I'd be doing quick sketches or I'd dash a roof plan over the top of the floor plan in order to illustrate the ideas I was having to make sure that it was still gelling with them so that they could have this understanding, you know, and this way they still had an understanding of 
what the external form of their home was going to look like, even though I wasn't necessarily showing it to them all at once. And we were still early in the stages of the floor plan design. And so, and this was particularly relevant for renovations and extensions where the roof design and the way it connects to the existing home is always super important for budget management and construction detailing. Now, my last point about roof design is this. So number five, your roof design impacts your home's cost and performance long-term. So I've touched on this point in previous points and this honestly, it could be its own day-long masterclass of information. So I don't have the ability to go into it in a huge amount of detail here. But as I mentioned earlier, the roof performs a significant function in your home and that's to keep it dry and safe, as well as physically and thermally protect it and you from the elements. Investing in it so that it suits your climate, so it's easy to maintain, and so it's durable over the long term and ensures that your home supports your health and well-being. These are investments worth making. So this will include choosing a roof design that enables you or someone else to clean it and the gutters easily so that leaf litter, leaf litter doesn't sit on it or in the gutters and cause problems over the long term. So this may mean that you choose a certain pitch so that your roof is easier to walk on or it might mean that you're including a leaf guard system on your valleys and gutters so that they don't collect as much junk in them on a day-to-day basis. You want to review your ability to collect rainwater and reuse it. You know, how how you can reuse it, that's going to be dependent on your local regulations and your personal preference. We personally, my family, we live on rainwater. We don't, we're not connected to town water. We have a water filter on our kitchen tap and that also connects to our fridge so that the refrigerated water is filtered there as well. You can also, of course, have a whole of house filter. Even in suburban areas on compact sites, you will be amazed at how much rainwater you can collect and the options that are available for storing it, for reusing it, even in you know the small spaces that you have under your home or under your driveway. I want you to consider the roof colour and the material type so that it suits your climate, the weather conditions and the thermal demands of your site. I want you also to detail the roof, work with your team to detail the roof so that it mitigates the risk of construction with the roof structure. So you don't have mould growing in your roof and the slow degradation in the building envelope of your home. You want to make sure that you insulate your roof so that it provides appropriate thermal performance for your home and it assists with lowering or eliminating your artificial heating and cooling needs. And remember that roofs and their eaves, when appropriately sized, positioned and designed, they perform an important function in shading your walls, your windows and your doors and helping your home stay cool in summer, as well as helping with the durability of your home's exterior in relation to sun exposure. And added to this, the roof and the eaves of your homes, when appropriately sized, positioned and designed, they're also going to protect your windows, doors and walls from rain and from general weather. So keeping the water off your house helps with its long-term durability and mitigation of mould and damp in your walls and the durability of the paint finish and the external cladding too. So, you know, all of this, and of course it will keep the rain directly out of your windows and doors too. So if you are reducing the eaves on your home or those eaves are too high above your windows and doors to actually provide shade and rain protection, then consider whether you need to add window hoods directly over your windows and doors in order to protect those openings. Now, lastly, the I just wanted to mention here, and this is a conversation that I have with my home method members as well, okay, because it's inevitable as you get educated about what is possible and what to consider in the industry when you go about designing, building and renovating your home. 
As a homeowner though, please don't overown the responsibility about specification, performance and construction detailing for your home. If you have an architect, a designer or a builder who isn't wrapping their head around this stuff and is being belligerent about your requests to explore it more and create a better outcome, then I suspect you most likely have the wrong team member on board. With the changes to the National Construction Code coming in Australia this year, at the time of recording it's 2023, and then the general push for better performing buildings in the industry both here and overseas, industry professionals are needing to upskill themselves. And there are loads of resources around for us to be able to do that right now. And it's brilliant to see the research and the collaboration that's occurring in the industry to disseminate the information so that projects can improve overall. So if you, the, the, the concern that I have if you're overowning the responsibility around this is if you push your designer or builder into a detail that they don't want to do and then you fall into issues if something goes pear-shaped with it the then that's going to be a challenge for you to navigate okay because the builder's warranty insurance it covers the builder and their decisions it doesn't cover you and your decisions so i really encourage you figure out what you want in terms of thermal performance climatic suitability durability and maintenance and then work with your professional team to help you to advise you to research and to demonstrate it to you that what they're recommending and specifying achieves those goals that you have for your home you set the brief, okay, and then you let your well-chosen team deliver the results. So with all of the content that I share here on the podcast, this isn't about turning you into an expert that can replace what an industry professional can do. That's way too much to expect of yourself inside the time frame of, one, of your one project. It is, however, to educate you so that you can spot the dodgy operators and you can trust your gut if there's red flags on display. You can have informed conversations with those that you interview and work with so that they can then be expert and experienced collaborators with you in realising your vision for your future home. Now, I've got some additional resources. I'm going to pop in the notes for this episode. I've got links uh, to the episode that I did about roofing outdoor rooms and our frescoes and what to consider in those instances so you don't bury the interior of your home in darkness. I've got link to the social media post that I did with the front elevation differences. There's also some uh, links to episodes we've done on insulation uh, on and on mould and some other important resources there for you. So let me recap on these five points to consider with your roof design and construction. Number one, understand the different types of roof designs and forms and how to work with them for the look, the construction and the budget that you have for your home. Number two, your roof design includes gutters, fascias, downpipes on the outside and insulation and membranes or building wraps on the inside. Don't assume this is all taken care of, especially if you're seeking particular outcomes for the performance of your new home or renovation. Number three is that your roof design begins with the floor plan design. So discuss it early with your team before design, diving into the design process and then also continue discussion about it during the design process. Number four is your roof design is a strong aesthetic driver in the look of your home. So review your thoughts on the roof design as part of your brief and considerations for your home's design. And number five, your roof design impacts your home's cost and performance long-term. So discuss your goals and objectives with your team and get good quality and informed advice on the details and construction required to mitigate the risk of condensation and provide the thermal and weather performance that you're seeking. And that's it. Okay, now remember, if you'd like a transcript of this episode, you can grab a free download of it by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 270. That's the numbers 270. I've also included some helpful links to the other resources that are going to help you with this topic. 
And lastly, if you'd like more structured help and guidance and to feel more confident and in control as you learn the steps from start to finish of your project journey and how to create a great home that you'll love living in, then Home Method is the place for you. You'll also join a community of amazing and super informed homeowners on a similar journey to you and you'll be able to access my personalised help and support along the way. So you can find out more about Home Method by heading to homemethod.com.au or to the Undercover Architect website. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.